0: Episode 59 of the Metro Fan TV Rundown coming to you live at the backs of an emphatic 3-1 victory on the road against the San Jose Earthquakes. Um, Yeah, so I think it seems that last week's episode may have aged like milk, but that's okay. We're kind of used to it on this podcast. Riding alongside me and me today, we just have a single co-pilot today because uh, Fernando died again. Uh, I'd like to point out that he had uh a, a, aortic dissection after last week's episode. And now he's going to be uh, editing this episode from the afterlife.
1: So, um, Juan Escalante, how are you? Some real sad boy hours last week. And then the team was like, no, guys, everything is fine. <laughs> it's kind of weird, wasn't it? <laughs> it? It was. I mean, I I don't know. I feel like we we, we needed to, like, get all that stuff off our chest for a night and then like as soon as saturday morning hit i'm like all right it's game day time to listen to the giant killing theme song
0: yeah i think it was one of those good reminders that like uh you know i think i was touched upon towards the end of the last episode anyway right that you know there have been like improvements made to the squad build up and what was left with this was still had like what was left right still very much the basis of what could be a very good team last year and uh, sorry a very good team this year I should say and um, <clears throat> I think you know as far as first tests go into season wanting the pants like a really bad team at your own house is a pretty encouraging sign no matter which way yeah. you spin it And I mean, of course, uh, you know, I think people kind of still a bit on edge. They want to hedge their bets a little bit because, yes, it's not a fantastic Jose side to be faced, but I can't remember a time last year where we would face really bad teams at home even right where we were creating as many decent chances as we have right this last game. But we'll get into that a little bit um, in a little bit more detail right after this. because I want to set the scene, I think. I want to wind back the clock a little bit. Talk about uh, some of the stuff that we observed from this game against San Jose. Uh, as everybody knows by now, it finished as a 3-1 scoreline. But, you know, I mean, I personally thought that we could have bagged at least five or six, right? Just based yep. off of uh, the way that we were attacking the whole game. I mean, um, when's the, when's the last time Do you remember, I guess, a team carving open... Like, uh, like a team like this one. Do you do you uh, recall? Do you do you do you ever really get a sense of that?
1: Last season against Miami away. Yeah, when we scored four goals on them. Yeah, that was a very comprehensive victory.
0: And I like to point out, like uh, that's when they had ten men, right? I think yes. they had a guy who was sent off relatively
1: early. Yes, early. but it's Miami, so I feel like that usually happens. So yeah, I mean Who's that. And really, they team. were playing Gonzalo Higuaín. So really, they were playing with nine nine men.
0: <laughs> the corpse of Blaise Matuidi was there as well. <laughs> okay, fine. So eight. I men. Think that's like eight. Uh, <laughs> would you call Leandro González Pérez a defender? I wouldn't. So I think that's seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, practically one one losing one more play away from a default. So yes. Um, I just want to say that that was like the best pro move in like uh, old FIFA games. Isn't like uh, is when you're down like three 0 to your friends, you just try and get the whole team sent off, you know?
1: Oh yeah. So they
0: call off. That the was game. that
1: was usually my move when I was just like playing for like four hours straight, and I was just bored. So I would just pick a team I don't like and see if I could like get a default, get like a default loss just from just having like six guys on the field. Yeah.
0: And the best thing was that the old Fifas used to have that violent tackle button which was like oh, an instant red yeah. card each time, which was like yes. really, really convenient for these um, for these purposes. But I think uh, enough about um, <laughs> FIFA 99. As much as uh, the Rockefeller Skank is a great theme song. Yes. Shout out to Fatboy Slim.
1: Shout out to Fatboy Slim.
0: Words that are being uttered in, the, in 2022, right? So <laughs> <laughs> speaking of Fatboy Slim, uh, <laughs> right about now. <laughs> um we have some stats for you right from this last game i think um the the most encouraging sign i guess from a statistical perspective if you're into this kind of thing is that the underlying uh stats do support the idea that this was wasn't us punching above our weight against the bad team right it was a level of performance that kind of indicated that yes we very much um, it was a level of performance where it matched the ba- matched what we observed, right? Very much getting a very good, very easy three-one win over a team that doesn't really offer much in a way. Because uh, I think uh, the underlying XG for the game was like what two point seven six collectively as a team, which is pretty in line yeah. with uh, basically us
1: with, with the final score line. So and and um, how how many goals did we ended up scoring? at the end of 90 minutes three three so yeah last time I, i'm not i'm not a ma- mathematician but uh, three is greater than 2.7 right
0: yeah but it's yeah but it's been it's within the uh, what is it it's within the expected boundaries i suppose of uh, that kind of oh really okay yeah so uh you know we didn't Basically, basically, it's a very roundabout way of saying that we deserve to win the game because sometimes in football you have to score goals, right? And that's exactly sometimes, what I... Sometimes, yes. <laughs> and that's exactly what we set out to do. Um, so let's <laughs> Shift gears a little bit to uh, observations about the game itself, right? Because I think this is a, the real um, bread and butter what we have to strike at. And, you know, I think the first thing that kind of stood out to me... Um, I think uh, there was a lot of speculation going into this game about whether or not we'd be going four or five at the back. And for this first game, at least, uh, it's the five man back line uh, making an emergence. With a three man back line, I believe, of uh, Sean Nealis, Dylan Nealis, and uh, Aaron Long. They have uh, John Tolkien and uh, Lewis Morgan as the wingbacks, right? In front of them, you had Frankie Amaya and Drew Yearwood as the uh, pivot. And then the front three was a, uh, I think it was a uh, Fernandez, Caceres, and uh, Fernandez,
1: Casares, and hold on a second, uh, what's his name? Klamala ahead of them. Uh,
0: he was the striker, yeah. But
1: right, Drew Earwood and Frankie Amaya in the middle, and then um, Omir and CCJ behind Klamala. Yes, that's right.
0: That's right. I, <laughs> it was kind of like. Uh, How would you say it was? It kind of ended up looking like a 3-4-3, right, at times. But also, which was the interesting thing for me. But no, uh, go ahead.
1: No, no, you're you're right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, if if you look at the passing map, because it's weird, because I think the big question mark was seeing Dylan Nealis and Lewis Morgan on the field and thinking, like, where would he play in this line? My my original thought was that we were going with a back four and Dylan Nealis would be, like, a right wing back. You would have a midfield three, CCJ, Drew, Amaya, and then Omir and Morgan behind Klamala. But now we went with the old uh, the wingback formation. And in shape, I think if you look at the passing map, it ended up looking like Morgan was playing more, was higher up than Tolkien was. Tolkien was like the space you would imagine like a left back would be. In um, as much as whenever Morgan got on the ball, Typically, positionally, when we were defending, he was he was very much pinned back by Cade Cowell or whoever it was on the left-hand flank for San Jose. Um, but yeah, we can sort of talk about the positioning of, of Morgan later. But yeah, the real the real interesting thing was like we were seemingly playing uh, the younger Neelis out of position. We know that he's a defender, but we know like where he would typically play. And this is sort of like, like my big observation because i had to rewatch the game and i'm like like has dylan Neal has done anything in this game and he he didn't he didn't it was like one of those things where the adage uh, if you're doing everything right it seems like you're doing nothing at all and that was like the game we had we can get into that later but yes that's uh that's where i was looking at but yes uh yeah, I mean, was, in fairness, I don't really think San Jose really offered much
0: in the way of a consistent they, attacking threat. They uh,
1: like they were bad, but like to the point that I was genuinely confused by them. Like <laughs> looking at their formation, I'm like, I don't know what Almeida was going for here. Like on paper, it was the exact same formation that we played, but they just decided to not have any semblance of a wingback or a winger or, or just like just wingers, no vibe, just all vibes or whatever. <laughs> it was very bizarre. Like every time we got on the ball, there was like no one defending the flanks on them. And it was so bizarre to the end, towards the end of the game. And it was like on the right, it was like, it was either a double act performance by either trophies or, uh, uh, who's the Christian Espinoza on the right. And then there was a Cade Cowell on the left who is not, a wing back or a fullback, but rather more of a winger attacking player, and I mean I respect I respect Almeida's vibes, man. He looked like he was ready to pull out a pack of Marble lights by the end of the game, <laughs> but man.
0: It's like is a real big time oh. Uh, is a guy from Lethal Weapon who's too old for this shit? Uh Danny Glover. Yeah, but what's his character's name? Uh, uh I forget. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I'm too old for this shit vibes, basically. Uh, <laughs> but I think um, the key, the key, the key takeaway, I think, for us—I uh, mean, uh, it does basically like uh, what I wanted to do in pointing that out—is that basically it does kind of seem that um, the three-man back line will be um, might be the go-to this year. I think until uh, some of the other personnel comes in. So I guess keep an eye out for that as the uh, weeks go on. Because I think uh, the main point of interest for us uh, actually happens further up the field, right? I think uh, particularly in the way that um, the attack um, unfolded, right? And I think this was a big um, problem point for us coming into the season, right? I think uh, we knew that the team was defensively sound last year, right? We can say this over and over again. One of the best defenses in MLS, top five goalkeeper in MLS, right? So... Pretty solid at the back, a good foundation to work on. So the main question was, how is it going to be that we're going to be able to generate the chances that we need to uh, to uh, win games a bit more emphatically? And I think uh, you know, uh, against a team as weak as San Jose, right, it was a pretty good sign that once we shook off that initial rust in the first half, that the chances started to come a bit more free and easy. Right, we sustained a good volume of chance creation throughout most of the game. Um, the way that we generated turnovers, especially in the center of the pitch, was fantastic. Right, and I think uh, this particularly big shout out here will have to go to Frankie Maya. Right, I think uh, has been called out many times in the press about his improvement of uh, the tactical understanding of what yep. the midfielders are supposed to be doing in this system. Right, and I think it showed. Right, he and Yearwood combined really, really well right, to uh, funnel players into, uh, pressing, into pressing opportunities, right? Um, I think um, the off-ball stuff was especially fantastic from, uh, from, from Frankie Meyer, right? The way he would always be finding himself in a position to at least uh, challenge for a loose ball or press a player for a second ball. You know, I think um, that kind of stuff really shown in this game, right? And the amount of turnovers that we were generating high up the pitch as we were before. And, you know, I think, um, you know, a lot of talk was talking about replacing the reliability of a presence like Sean Davis in the middle of the field. Um, If Amaya keeps this level of performance up, you know, I I think it's... um, I think think it would basically settle a lot of the... uh, doubts that people had right about um about (laughs) the departure of Sean Davis because this because I think uh I think um I think the second goal particularly um showed that right it was exactly what uh we talked about um the ball gets funneled into the center Amaya wins it back with a pretty good interception slash challenge, and then immediately yep. plays up the lofted path pass into the path of Omear Fernandez,
1: right, just kind of playing just, off just the a shoulder. Nice, the... A nice little like a nice little pitching wedge, soft lofted ball, man.
0: Yeah, and and I mean, I'll I'll be honest. I mean, this is this this is the kind of pass that you generally wouldn't really see from Sean Davis to be, to
1: we, be honest. We it it would not no yeah because. Um, And not even that particular one. There were a lot of moments where he would just, like, win the ball, win that second ball, just look up, and just play it into space in the way, like, it's, you know, Sean Davis would usually play, like, a square ball. Yeah. Um,
0: Sean Davis had a, would kind of just do the Makalele thing, right? (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Just
0: playing it square to somebody. Nothing wrong
1: with that, but uh, sometimes you want something more. Yeah,
0: and... You know, it's it's stuff like that in the second goal that I thought was a pretty good uh, sign. Um, yeah. Of course, I think uh, a lot of credit to actually funneling players into that position also has to go to Drew Yearwood, right? Who, I mean, like the amount of ground that, that guy covered the whole game. You know, I mean, uh, it's 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 good to see. You know, I think especially yeah. for a player who uh, apparently was uh, being branded with having fitness issues for most of last year, for him to be able to put in a ninety-minute shift like that. You know, it has to be a pretty good sign, right? I mean, uh, so another key thing, of course, uh, that we observe is the fact that, interestingly enough, you actually had Patrick Klimala dropping deeper, a bit more, as the spear of uh, this attack, which I thought was a pretty interesting thing to see. But I will say that a lot of the uh, a lot of the synchronization in the attacking half of the field comes down to his uh, hold-up ability, right? Which was on pretty mm-hmm. clear display this whole game as the lone striker, right? The way that he would be dropping deep to set up uh, you know, hold the ball up and then, and then lay it off for somebody streaking up the field, right? It's a bit more resemblant of the type of uh, movement that I think that Ger- Gerhard Schuber wanted to see, right, that you saw at his Barnsley teams, right? where you had the striker coming in the deep space and then you have the second row of midfielders like pumping up the two wing backs pushing up in the space to give uh, movement and options right i to give to create that those chances for those quick vertical interchanges up the field mm-hmm. right it involves having those midfielders who are willing to take that chance and go streaking up the field once the striker drops deep to uh, create that space yeah you know and i think um we definitely only saw a lot more about that game. I think uh, Klimala definitely played his role really, really well, um, and as a result of that, I think um, I would dare say, just based off this one game, that I think uh, it's starting to look a lot more like I think what was supposed to be envisioned last year. Right, last year was a bit of a was a bit of a stop and go because. Uh, you wouldn't really generally see guys making taking these many chances and like making these kind of runs up the field, right? No. So when you're seeing more of this kind of movement and this year, I think uh, you know it's good to wonder what could happen once we get the rest of the uh, the rest of the attacking signings in, right? Because I remind everybody that we managed to score three goals against a really bad team without our new attacking, without a new marquee attacking midfielder yeah. in Lukinius. Yeah, yeah we um, had
1: we had we had like 30 percent possession yet we scored three goals we outshot them for shots on goal like seven to two and i think another one i was i think part of what you were saying about having those like third man runs from midfield is sort of similar to like the highlights of like how struber wanted his barnsley team to play um where the goals were kind of scored by committee or whatever or you know whatever it's not just like one striker getting all the goals it's sort of like bunch of guys contributing in that way and just looking at like the key passing stats um we saw it was pretty interestingly spread out throughout all our main attackers so like Casades had three key passes and then um tolkien amaya omir and morgan all had two each and so you know and then i think klimala had one and i think drew might have also had one but it's like and I, think, and I think Clark also had, like, one or two, but it's, like, you're spreading it out that way. It's sort of, like, it kind of takes away the the onus of, like, the way people imagine generating chances in a team which is, like, it needs to be one creative player, two creative players who really have been able to spread it out uh, in this game. Hopefully this continues, uh, but it's a good sign to see from this game, particularly.
0: Yeah, no, no, that, that, that's definitely... The, the whole committee thing, uh, basically, uh, kind of underscores, like... Uh underscores the next point we want to make right and we bring up a good point scoring by committee thing because i mean it basically happened here right three goals three different goal scorers off of a bunch of different situations you know um so i am encouraged to see what we can do once uh Lukinas and uh even Ashley fletcher get here yeah. right because um I think uh, this particularly brings me to my next point, right, about the left-hand channel and how active it looked um, the entire game. Because we really seemed to be having a lot of success going down the left-hand side and attack, right? The way John Tolkien was especially looked very uh, entrepreneurial, I don't know, what's the word? In- Industrial. <laughs> Enterprising. Enterprising. Enterprising, enterprising. yes. Very enterprising on that left-hand channel, right? And I think uh, it's an interesting bit of conjecture here for me, but you kind of recall how in our best seasons we had a streaking right back um, tearing down the field right into space that would Mm -hmm. open up compressing situations. It wouldn't surprise me in the least to maybe see the same thing happening, but this time it's on
1: the left. Hand side you think so pitch.
0: you know I think um sorry what
1: you think oh I guess I guess if if we're not um generating off the dribble from the right in the same way we'd had Kyle Duncan doing it yeah because I think because Tolkien wasn't exactly even when he was getting up and down the field it wasn't exactly on the flank and whipping in crosses he was more cutting inside. No no no, no 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 no, yeah. Runners- I mean
0: I mean, it's kind of what I mean is that like a, the overlook like a the as, the same kind of asymmetrical like attacking yes. play that you'd see under yes. the 2018 teams, but this time on the left. and instead of somebody like Amir Murillo, right who kind of likes to uh, dribble with the ball, attack um, space from wide positions, right, you're gonna see a different flavor of that, right where Tolkien will generally do quick vertical combinations to open up space cut inside as he needs. And the key part to me is the fact that somebody like Luquinha Strait, who also likes to play the same way, he'll occasionally cut inside, but is also more than content to uh, stay out wide as space opens up. It's those kinds of... The potential is there for those kinds of quick vertical interchanges in the same way, right? Between Mm -hmm. a left-handed attacking midfielder and a left-back that love to do these kinds of uh, quick interplay, Right? You know, and I think that could add a layer of unpredictability to our attack. Um, once everybody's on board and they get gelled together, you know, I think uh, when he talks about more uncon- more conventional wing play, right? We definitely saw that a bit more on the right hand side with Lewis Morgan, right, mm-hmm. for most of the game. But on the left hand side, right, it's kind of looking a bit more like, uh, like a bit something like like something a little different, right? It's a different yeah. way of attacking space, and yeah. it's basically. Based on off the ball interplay and the ability for your two left handed attackers to um, interpret space and creating those open avenues for chance creation through quick interplays in and out of those half spaces, which I think yeah, I think every
1: time you saw every time you saw Morgan get on the ball in the final third, it was usually coming in from the right and sort of stretching the stretching the opposition onto that side and then leaving space open on the right. I think. Rather than uh, Morgan sort of dribbling up the right hand side, yeah, if I recall correctly, have you yeah, watched it, the game twice?
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, like uh, you know, it, it's like a, a lot of the times Morgan got on balls kind of like when they swung right. Yep, is when they yeah. swung the ball over from uh, the strong hand side to like uh, the the quote unquote weak weak side, the blind side. It's a bit like in rugby when you do a blind side when when, when you attack down the blind side winger. It's a bit like that. (laughs) So I thought that was a pretty interesting wrinkle. And I think um, when you understand the game game plan as being one, where we're trying to be funneling the opposition into the middle more to create those overloads in the center of the pitch, I think uh, that's where it becomes a bit critical, right? The ability to have the wide players be at liberty to cut inside and then swing the ball over to the other side like once you have enough numbers in the middle of the pitch, right? because it creates those spaces out in the wing for those uh for white players on the other side to streak up and offer an option into stretch the opposition even more so I think uh, the key takeaway from all this right is to watch how the game unfolds in the center in the center right as the season progresses right because mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the keystone in all this Right, We already have, we've seen have had a big move of bringing in a lot of players who are very comfortable playing in out wide and cutting inside particularly, create the central overloads, and also bringing players who are also comfortable, like, attacking space in a similar manner. Sorry, I mean, uh, sorry, once the overload in the center of pitch is created, I should say, to watch how players attack space that opens up on the wing, basically, I think that's going to be the key to our attack this season. How able we're able to get the ball to players streaking into that space as the season progresses. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And of course, I think it's a good time for me to bring up this question about whether or not you can truly, um, <laughs> whether or not you can truly take away anything from a team as disorganized as San Jose. And of course, I mean, I do want to say that it is just one game. Uh, this question came from Ed Ritter, of course. But that's the thing for me, is that this is supposed to be a good litmus test, I think. Because this is what... it. Because I think uh, the game plan here, against a side as weak as this, right, is kind of showing to us what might happen in a best-case scenario, right? Like, it's basically as close to... Interestingly enough, I would say that it's a bit of an idealized version as to what this attack may look like on its best days, right? Yeah. And like we said at the top of the episode, it's not often last year that we put away teams this decisively, that we were carving open teams this decisively, right? We could have easily scored five or six goals, in my opinion yeah and the way that we were constantly creating chances um throughout the game is an encouraging sign right because yeah i mean it does kind of show to me that we are going to be taking a few more chances in attack and when you present us the opportunity to take those chances in attack like this team's going to take them right with the way that they are that that they showed the ability to attack these spaces and take advantage of these opportunities in this game that San Jose were letting us do, you know? I think um, I think um, the first goal was a particularly good example of that, right? About what we were talking about with the, this um, this ability to uh, switch the fields of play as space opens up, right? You have the ball going out to Lewis Morgan out on the wing, crosses the near post into Klimala who finishes it near side. I mean, it kind of bounces off his shin a little bit, but you're going to take goals the way that you're going to, goals right and i mean it was a very yes. many well manufactured team move that kind of emphasized how the team wants to attack space as it opens up this san jose allowed us to basically um do that at will it will be a big boost of confidence i think going forward because the team kind of uh knows that they achieved their objective with this game right getting that attacking interplay down i think uh that's going to be the main takeaway i'm not going to say that we're able- I would not going to say that it's going to be a good omen for the rest of the season, but I definitely do think on a for, as a first game goes, it's a good sign. Right? I wouldn't say that this is going to be like sorry. I'm not going to say that we're going to be like runaway contenders just based off of this one game, but it definitely is a good sign. I should say. You know. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's,
1: this game particular it's not this is this this game is necessarily about or this result rather is less about uh, showing our ceiling, but rather about raising our floor. Like yeah. the issue last season was that when we would play a poor, you know, a, 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 an opponent that wasn't particularly that great, um, we would somehow like drop to their level and make the game harder on us than it needed to be and not wanted to play the game that we actually wanted to play. Um, and so this is the flip side of that. I just like the hallmark of a good competitive team in this league is not just like beating the teams at the top of the table, but it's also about like just stomping the teams that are bad. Like that was the hallmark of a shield winning team. That's the hallmark of the, the 2018 team is just to be able to, you know, as Connor Lade once said in this house, we fucking bury teams, but rather not just even in this house, but being able to just put teams away, four goals, three goals away that need to, that that need to do it.
0: Yeah, no, and that's exactly the point. I think, that people should be uh, cognizant of, right? But that, like you said, if you give us the chance to cream you, we will take that chance to put four goals past you, you know, especially let alone that this was on the road. And, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> results in a week-to-week basis. I mean, I think uh, they they tend to fluctuate wildly, but I do think it is worth pointing out that what we were the only team the only away team in MLS, right, to pile on more than one goal away from home. Yes. Right? And a win in such a convincing fashion. I, like I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say the shield is on necessarily based off of this one game, but you can definitely look at, to it as an encouraging sign just simply because we had the opportunity to dissect a really bad team and we took it. That's that's, yeah. that's basically mean, like, all you really
1: need sometimes. Like, Tom Barlow scored a goal. I feel like that's <laughs> that's worth. Remember, Carlos Rivas scored a first, <laughs> scored not one but two goals in our first game in the 2018 MLS season.
0: So did young Benjamin Mines. I'll have you know. So
1: did young Benjamin Mines, and we played a player who's even younger than he is in this game. Yeah, young Serge Goma. He's
0: a tied Eddie Gaven, I think, for the youngest player in a team history. Right, yeah, right to, the to the day, days. which
1: is very weird.
0: No, no, see, now we have to do a tiebreaker,
1: right? Like how many hours tiebreaker. How, many, how many, hours? many hours? What time I don't want to ask to see their birth certificates, but <laughs> if if we can get confirmation of when they were born exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, we got we gotta compare the hours now, basically. So uh who yeah. was born later in the day, right? That's the that's the guy who's the youngest in team history. So yes, I don't know uh I don't know, whoever listens to this, Andrew Vazzano, Eric Friedlander, whoever's like really good at this shit, like, can you just like look it up for us? Thanks. (laughs) Um, Okay. And so I think, I don't know, like, nothing else really stood out to me, I think, this San Jose game, other than uh, basically everything that we just covered, right? So to recap, uh, really good improvement on uh, the off the ball. Uh, the tactical awareness from the two trying to double pivot right in the center of the field and also some very fun attacking interplay right from our front three um for all of those i'm not sure if i covered this earlier in the episode but yeah it's uh, pretty interesting to see that fernandez and Caceres ended up in a more advanced uh, average position than patrick klimala did which kind of uh it's a testament to uh these third man runs being key right and being able to open up these uh attacking opportunities and also mm-hmm. i think uh Klimala's role being played really really well is sort of like being that attacking half uh conductor right with his hold-up play yeah. um so i think let's move on to our let's do let's do let's do some quick stocks uh, the first stock check of the season uh i think as the recap let's try and limit it to a three each maybe um and i'm going to award my stock ups to amaya klimala and uh and and i think i will get the last one of Drew. year what um this you know for all the reasons that i mentioned i think uh the senate the, the these three players were supposed to kind of lock it down in the center of the field for our attack and they more than answered the call right i thought the turnover volume the turnover volume was fantastic. The way the guys were always uh, the first to second balls for the most part and uh, getting and quickly sending the ball back down to pitch to uh, try and generate another opportunity, right? And I think um, the rate at which we were winning second balls and the, ways at, and the rate at which we were um, taking seizing space at pace, I should say, right, was very, very encouraging. I hope it keeps up. Um, stock down. I don't think uh, any of the players are going to get a stock down for from this game. I just thought it was a very encouraging all around um, performance. Um, I don't know. I'll give us. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really think it's uh, fair for me to really be giving stock downs to anybody. Uh, I don't think anyone really uh, pissed me off. To, <laughs> <laughs> pissed me off this week. I'll, I'll give a stock down to. Uh, well, I mean, I think I know whose stock is definitely down, and I think KT Kevin Thewel's kind of found himself in a bit of a in, a in a bit of a rough situation with Everton, right? With them having your assets frozen or something, I believe. <laughs> that should be pretty uh, fun. Um, <laughs> talk about fun, stocks. Yeah, have fun with that, Kevin. Sorry, sorry, pal. Thanks for the team that you left behind, though. It's really, really good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think. Um, I I'm pretty happy with the performance this week. So I think uh you know, I think uh people going to people going to people going to be okay for this week.
1: <laughs> How about you? I'm going to give one stock down to Dylan Nealis for giving up the foul that led to the free kick that led us to conceding. But then I give him four stocks up for <laughs> A pretty good performance like i said i was like has he done anything it's because he didn't really do anything wrong besides that let's go to the stats three out of three tackles made three blocks four clearances two interceptions eight recoveries in in what is his not his natural position i'm very impressed that the two kneeless brothers seem to just be heads on straight proper football men um one thing i noticed that he does uh, that his brother also does is that when there's a loose ball and there's like an inkling of doubt, he he will not play it back to his goalkeeper. He'll just hoof it into touch and let the team <laughs> deal with it afterward. Um, second stock up, I think Frankie Amaya gets that one, obviously. I think this is his best performance for the team since I think probably the game against Chicago at home last season where he scored. Um, this is like a brand new Frankie Amaya, or rather... And a, a, a Frankie Amaya that that we were hoping to see. Um, you saw, like, you were talking about, like, recovering the second balls, and we talked about the assists, and we talked about his, like, um, uh, the, his distribution from his position. But I think also, I think, uh, in attendance of the game was our friend uh, Profe Mapu, who happened to be sitting next to uh, Frank Amaya, as in, frankie amaya's dad and he had mentioned to 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 prove mapu that uh frankie just as a player prefers to play deeper in the field he likes to be able to distribute the ball from deep and we're sort of seeing struber play him in his preferred position uh hopefully we'll see it uh more often this season i am very excited that this could be uh a big reset year for him uh because last year i don't know what was up with him uh, could have could it have been an injury? who knows? Could have just been fitness? who knows but he looked real sharp and uh I don't know who I can give a, a final stock I think everyone the whole team gets a stock up but I will give a special <laughs> stock up to to uh the new MLS match ball. It's very pretty. I like the Damn. white I like the flower flower prints We're, me and the homies are gonna do flower prints this year that's what, that's what that's what's gonna happen not Hawaiian shirts though, but flower prints Did you really just praise the league on this podcast dude? I praised the match
0: ball. I did not praise the league. You see, I praised. You see, that's the match a product ball. of the league design. I don't know, pal. It's getting pretty dicey over here. Am I happy? Is ex- it the
1: league design or is it Adidas?
0: Hmm? Well, Adidas are the sponsors of the league, so I may have to excommunicate you and
1: go. Fly solo I. I, from have, now on. I have. I have. W- I look. What's what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a match ball and I will make sure I brillo off Don Garber's name off the ball.
0: Get rid of get rid of the MLS shield as well. Actually, like just yes, put like a, my like, loyalty like a, is to the ball. Just put a sticker of like I don't know, like uh, the old Serie A logo or something on there.
1: Exactly.
0: Actually, you do bring up. A, a, I, think, I think I'd want to circle back to the Amaya chat a little bit, though, because I think, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, that this is still a guy who's like only 21 years old this year right it's it's kind of hard to forget how young he is right and it's um not beyond the realm of possibility that does take certain players a bit more time to figure out their best role and their best um place on the pitch right i think um so I mean I think uh, you know I mean uh, there was a bit of a uh, presum there was a bit of a presumptive chat I will say that pe- I think uh, you know that he was a bust he wasn't going to work out for us you know I am a hundred percent rooting for him to call this out because I think uh, just you know if he keeps up this level of performance like I said right over the course of this whole season you know and he develop and he really carves out a niche for himself in this more uh, in this deeper role in the double pivot next to Jiri right? You know, I think uh, we'll absolutely do have a great young asset on our hands, right? And I think um, just the way that he's been talked about in the off-season. look, I mean, I don't want to put too much uh, stock in the boilerplate statements from the manager, but I do think it's a pretty interesting contrast to see from where he was last year, right? Where Schuber basically says that his tactical understanding and his fitness were a bit off to now this year where he's talking about all the improvements he's made, right? And how he's going to be a key player for us going and how he's going to be key to the plans in midfield going forward you know I think um you know I think uh while we're still looking for a defensive midfielder apparently I think if I think we could be well served to see you know if he can keep up this level of performance basically that's long story short because I mean we cannot discount internal improvements from guys who were holdovers from last year especially young guys who are just looking to establish themselves and take that next step in their career. This is part and parcel of player development, right? Players will develop at different paces. Sometimes it takes certain players a longer time to figure it out. Some players just don't even figure it out at all. Right? So, if this is a key, this is a part where it's a young relatively young midfielder trying to fi- trying to fi- finally trying to find his feet and fi- try- finally starting to find his feet
2: <laughs>
0: in the system. Oh my god okay in this tactical system that gerhard schuber wants to play right i think uh that should be a very interesting story going into uh the rest of the year i'm uh encouraged by it i really do hope he keeps it up i do want him to succeed for this team yes um so yeah i think that kind of puts a bow on san jose right here yeah, i don't have any parting shots to a uh, norcal when I talk about the largest outdoor bar in North America, some bullshit like that. I mean, no one really cares about <laughs> that shit, right?
1: And how close to
0: the airport the actual stadium is.
1: That's wild. I saw those pictures. And like, it's like right behind the stadium. Like, whoa.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like you can literally, like, you, you can literally just, like, depart. Like, right from the stadium.
1: Right. Like, just walk off the field and just onto the runway. Yeah. <laughs>
0: If you ever wanted to commute by like private jet f- at an away day like you totally could you know, oh, yeah you, you could totally flex on these fools, right yes. so that's a possibility that's a that's an away day for capital that I just don't have, and I will probably <laughs> never have so um that's let's look ahead i guess uh let's let's shift gears a little bit uh, we do have uh, some team news I suppose going into Toronto that we should cover really uh briefly. All right, I think uh, the first one being, of course, that Thomas Edwards is back in town. The the,
1: <laughs> the, bo- the every, boy is back in town.
0: The boy is back in town, yeah. I mean, everyone seems pretty chuffed, huh? Like, uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Very popular guy, this Tom Edwards. Must be an absolute riot in the locker room. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, uh, so uh, I think it's definitely a boon to our defensive corpses. No, not our defensive corpses. Our defensive corpse. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the defensive corpses would be like, I don't know, uh, Gideon Baugh.
1: Like, uh, <laughs> Ooh, damn. <laughs> or uh, it him. was uh, Francisco Calvo when he when he fell over and somehow saved uh, that chance that Kid and Clark had.
0: Oh, yeah, because Braden just decided to dribble into him.
1: That was so... Like, well, yeah, I think... I think had he not slipped, he would have been able to go past him, but whatever, we'll we'll move on past that.
0: Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Because <laughs> I think uh, speaking of a Caceres, uh sorry, speaking of Caden Clark, I think uh, Christian Caceres Jr. will miss uh, this uh, way trip to Toronto with a hip flexor injury. So
1: yes. might be likely
0: that Caden Clark will be slotting in to fill in that role. Uh, had a pretty, uh, the cameo he had off the bench, I think, for the last, what I think it was like the last half an hour. The substitute spot was like the last half hour of the game. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I think it looked a bit rusty at the start, but slowly grew into the game as it went on. Ended yeah. up bagging an assist on the Tom
1: Barlow goal, which I think was pretty nice to see. So, uh, mm-hmm. And uh, just like almost like two footed a guy. I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Get stuck in.
0: Probably already makes him like one of the hardest players in the Bundesliga just doing that. Oh, man. Because like uh, Lord knows nobody in the Bundesliga likes to make tackles so <laughs> yeah um having said you know i think um so based off of that alone i think those are going to be the two guys who could probably be expected to slot into the starting ele- well actually no i'm not so sure about that because Edward's yeah i think injury right yeah
1: well i think um i think there was a press conference it was like i think some kind of presser. It was like an after one of those, um, after training pressers. And they asked, um, Struber if, if Tom Edwards would play this weekend. Um, I don't know if they said about starting, but at least would he play? And, and Struber was like, why not? I'm like, oh, all right. That so we could,
0: a, that's such a classic response.
1: to Yes. Yeah. And, uh, so I think it's likely we could see him in the 18. So like, I'm thinking, cause like, he's not going to give me what I want. I know that, but I'm thinking, Tom Edwards playing as that right center back. We have Dylan Nealis playing as that right wing back and where Casitas was playing in sort of that advanced midfield position on the right-hand side. We put, uh, we put Lewis Morgan Lewis there Morgan. and see what yeah. he can do there. Yeah. I would, I just want to see him get in there, man. I'm, s- <laughs> he just looked quality every time he was on the ball. I'm like, I want, I want him to be able to do his thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely enjoyed the way that he is capable of just taking control of the ball at like full stride right every time he streaks down that right hand wing like the ball finds his way it's like one touch and then boom he's ready to go i mean like uh yeah it's kind of underappreciated how nice it is to have clean technical players like that
1: (laughs) yeah in this
0: league you know i mean and uh, just like
1: also a guy who could play who could like legitimately shoot with two feet like whoa exactly that's some proper he's
0: a proper lad in it yeah (laughs) Yeah, so I, I I think that is a pretty good point that gets brought up. You know, I think uh, like like we said, right? Edwards' flexibility across the back line adds a lot of uh, potential dimensions to this team, right? Because uh, you know, can he can play well in that right center hand, back position? He can he can slot in it as a defensive right wing back if he wants to be. But I think if you're looking to have your right wing back off of more of an outlet, then yeah, I mean, I think Edwards at right center back, Nealis playing a bit. Further ahead of him, and then having Lewis Morgan slot in that cast mm-hmm. position.
1: Yeah, the only Seems wrinkle like I would a... think is is like is like, do you shift long to the to the left? It's sort of like because I think one of the things about long in this in the game against San Jose is that he was when Morgan got up the field, um, long kind of came into space and basically acted as like an auxiliary right back, I mean yeah. um, the same way that Tom Edwards would, and I think part of why Morgan was so far back is I think because Cade Cowell was just like pushing so high up the field and he just couldn't do it um defending on the ball. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's, that's sort of like why I think, um I think um, the, the, the key for us would be who would be that left center back position, right? And how that yeah. gets filled going forward. Because I think the only other left, left-footed center back on the roster that's healthy right now is Lucas Bonzon.
1: Lucas Bunzon. but I th- but I remember, I mean, because like when we were playing four at the back in 2018, 2019, uh, Aaron Long would play on that left-hand side, would be the left center back anyway. So it's like, and even when we went three in the back, he would play on that side. And I, I distinctly remember it was some weird night where Aaron Long played as a left back. Yeah, that was... <laughs>
0: now you know who could do this flawlessly amro tarik man i wow. tell you what a player oh man, <laughs>
1: <Boy>. <laughs> hope he's doing well wherever he is i mean uh Al-Guna. <laughs> what is that? he's a fucking gooner mate he's a gooner he's an Alguna.
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna kidnap luchasaurus and turn him into amrosaurus i think that'd be great oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> a more Uh-oh. handsome version of luchasaurus is like if you put luchasaurus
1: and Yasify butt oh my and he god and it came out looking yes. like amurotarik like i would laugh my oh. ass off dude like <laughs> amro becoming to society to become like a progressor is such would be an interesting move for him honestly he he, he it, could to- he could totally do it <laughs> there aren't a lot of crossover between uh Soccer player into pro wrestling. I feel like other sports have been able to do that, but the, I think the last time I remember was um, Tim Visa, wasn't it? Tim Visa, the great Bremen yeah. goalkeeper, just yeah. decided to become jacked after he retired, and then like, oh, let me do, uh, let me do some. Yeah, pro wrestling. His muscles
0: were huge, but then he had like I think what three months at the performance center at WWE, and then he just kind of washed out. So I mean, uh, I mean, that's that's basically the most WWE career that you could possibly have, I suppose.
1: Yeah, at this point. Uh, <laughs> yeah i like that if you search a, i like that if you search tim Visa now it comes up professional wrestler not, not goalkeeper right yeah. not a long time professional goalkeeper
0: <laughs> but yeah no imagine that imagine having a career in wwe like couldn't be me man seriously watching that fucking shit like uh anyway um let's move away from, <laughs> from that a little <laughs> bit i think it's a bit too much of a tension even though we both have a wrestling related names in our recording room right now yes between <laughs> one Housen and jimmy's shout out to dragon gate pro wrestling by the way um, <laughs> <laughs> um shout out to kness who's retiring in april but that's enough of uh, pro wrestling uh, references for me um let's move back to uh, the uh, team for a bit i think um you the, the other big piece of team news of course being that uh, I think uh, Ashley Fletcher has been confirmed right uh signed with us on a six month deal X with the option of buying which I think yes. is kind of interesting. which is kind yes. of the interesting thing here right I mean uh Buzz and uh Buzz from various tabloid articles seem to think that if we exercise this option to loan sorry this option to buy um be converted into a four-year contract where he makes DP level money Mm. uh I don't know if this is true or not like I don't know the reliability of these sources I'm just relaying what I've read uh but I do think that if there is an option to buy at the very least that he is going to be playing a pretty decent role right I think we'll probably be getting quite a decent amount of game time going forward uh perhaps um I don't know maybe as like a second striker. Maybe it does mean that we will see Ford at the back uh, make an occasional appearance this season. Maybe it does mean that we will see a two striker formation. We'll see a second an attempt at two striker formations. Right. And I do think the key thing for us here, again, it's tactical flexibility. Right. You're bringing in somebody like Ashley Fletcher, functions, I think, a bit more as a traditional center forward, but also, I think, uh, interestingly enough, has some occasional. Sp- But occasionally play in the wing, if I'm not mistaken, right? But his main bread and butter is as a center forward. Yeah. I think that's uh, what's been uh, been going on, right? Especially, like, I think a player that is very comfortable with the ball at his feet and has that semblance, right, of doing those quick interchanges, right, that this team tends to do in attack. You know, I think um, I'm interested to see where he slots in especially like uh, when uh, Lukinas gets here as well right we haven't really touched upon Lukinas that much but what I could potentially see right Lukinas coming in on the left um like two striker formation with the uh, Fletcher Lewis Morgan on the right I mean I think that's starting to look pretty pretty all right you
1: guys I don't know yeah man <laughs> just like you have or you have like a. Just like you are platooning Klamala and Fletcher, it's kind of like it's like you, it's like uh, like the um, was it the Paul Lambert uh Southampton team where it's like for like, for like an hour center blacks would just be like fighting Graziano Pelle for like an hour and then like he would take him off and then put in Shane long. like oh for fuck's sake man I got to deal with this now <laughs> yeah
0: yeah no no, no and that's the thing right I think the key for me is that even if it is. Even if he does uh, end up spelling Klimala off the bench, I think uh, it, it's it's a bunch of very interesting weapons, right? Uh, it's a higher quality backup at the very least than Tom Barlow. I think that should uh, encourage people. Yes, I mean I don't want to shit on poor old Tom Barlow too much, but I think uh, he he definitely has his uh, niche in the squad. I should yes. say as a defensively minded striker, right? Yes. Just runs people ragged to end the game. Fletcher coming off the bench after 60 minutes of uh, being, of having to keep up with Patrick Klimala, right, and his never-ending runs, could be a pretty interesting wrinkle in itself, right? You've uh, been run ragged by the Terminator. Now here comes the battering ram. <laughs> <laughs> be really, really fun to see how that shakes out. Um, so. That's sort of where we are. I think. Uh, I, I think uh, the attack seems to have gotten a lot better, for sure, based off of the signing. Mm-hmm. Main question mark for me now is: that I do think we need one more defender, um, seeing as how World Andres Reyes may be out until the summer. Yeah, the very earliest. Hopefully, it's not for the rest of the season. Um, so, you know. It does seem that that's going to be a position that we need to address uh some of those uh, rumors that we heard early in the season have kind of died uh and the latest rumblings were for a midfielder which uh you know i don't really prioritize as much as another defender at this point right um so yeah i think um that kind of does it for um team news going into toronto um it's going to be interesting playing that toronto side right (laughs) I think uh when we played them last year they did not
1: look good. <laughs> they, no, they they looked far from good and I feel like it's not it had nothing to do with uh the coach who currently coaches in England now but um I don't know. Bob Bradley is in charge of the team. Salute to, Bre- to to Bob, but I don't know. Uh I don't know what they were expecting they were getting. Like that they're just going to turn into like that LA team. I don't think that's going to happen. Um it just looks like they just have like a couple DPs and then they just have a bunch of kids there playing. Um credit to them for not having Dom Dwyer on the team though. You know, shout out to them.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a really weirdly assembled squad, right? Between like a bunch of Rather limited vets, right? I think Omar Gonzalez is still there. He
1: is. He didn't can... start uh, on the weekend, though. Yeah. Which so is he, fair I think he started the the new guy, um, Carlos Salcedo, and then um, I think it was Mavinga still in the middle, probably. I, I,
0: I think, which is fair enough, because I mean, but it's Omar literally
1: Gonzalez... just like it's kids, it's kids, the rest of the team, and yeah. Bob Brad, it's and then Michael Bradley, and then Jonathan Osorio, and. Uh, Pozuelo, and then it's kind of just like they have a new striker from Spain or whatever. Um, who was playing in Poland? Interestingly enough, Jesus Jimenez. Right, but it's literally yeah. The rest of the team is just like teenage teenage Canadian kids.
0: Yeah. So, oh wow, um,
1: Shane O'Neill plays for this team. That's wild. <laughs> Remember Shane O'Neill, Cyprus Premier League legend. I actually do not so. <laughs> <laughs> he played for um he okay here's the thing he so he played for Colorado right and there was like wow this guy's pretty good and then there's like 2018 through 2015 and then he gets a he gets a deal with a team in Cyprus because I think whatever money laundering operation was happening there and then he went to Belgium to play for the team in muskron and then he went back to the the Cyprus team then he went to Cambridge United then he went back to the Cyprus team. Then he went to the Netherlands. Then back to the Cyprus team, and then back to the Netherlands. And then he just went back to Orlando and Seattle. And now he's at Toronto. What a, what a career this young man has had. Yeah, I got to say, uh, that's a that's a hell of a trip. But he's not even thirty years old. Hmm. Um. To be honest, I. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I guess, um, yeah, to be honest, I, I, I don't know if that's, uh, speaking about the, um, speaking about the quality of the team that we're up against.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, am not, I don't know.
0: I'm, I'm All all I know is that it's kind of a weird Toronto side, uh, this year and, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I don't really know what to make of this game, to be honest with you, um, it's probably one of those things where it could really kind of go either way but uh if this team is good i guess i'm gonna i'm gonna frame it this way if this team is good with how bizarre this the construction of this toronto team is i think we could probably get a result away from home yeah again you know, I mean, it still does kind of seem to me that this is a te- this is a Toronto team that's still trying to figure itself out, right? I mean, uh, looking at past recent results, it's like what a uh, one-one draw against FC Dallas, right? Your season opener on the road, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. that's correct, right? So
1: that is correct, yeah.
0: So if that's the case, you know, I mean, uh, Dallas were not a good team last year. They have arguably become an even worse team this year, right? Because they somehow managed to um, swindle a Bundesliga side and a $20 million for... $20 million for Ricardo Pepe. I'm not really sure how that happens. I'm not really sure how that warrants an A in your transfer r- ratings, but yeah. Um... <laughs> needless to say... Needless to say, I I... Yeah, i mean i think um this is this is a very weird toronto team uh i do kind of if i i do think there could be potential where we pray under inexperience a little bit right uh we recall that bob bradley does like to uh you know does like to have that kind of uh sort of traditional possession possession based team Right. Yeah. He does like to have his uh he does like to build out from the back. He does like to uh be able to uh you know control the uh to be able to control the game in the attacking half. Right. And I think that, that was the hallmark of his uh, LAFC LAFC's East of how well they basically played and controlled the game, right?
1: With quick yeah. paced possession sets in the attacking half, yes. in are attacking half of the field. <laughs> Um, and basically trusting like his front three to sort of like uh, make stuff happen, yeah. Um, and I guess converting Latif Blessing from a winger into like I don't know what what kind of player you would you would call him this kind of like weird box to box energizer money, <laughs>
0: yeah. Like a like a, like like a Musa Dembele type player, right? Actually, in a way.
1: <laughs> oh, maybe. But without Debele, the dri- without the, Conte, maybe.
0: Without the uh, dribbling ability, obviously, because I mean, like Dembele was god tier when it came to god that stuff. Man. But what a was just So good at shielding the ball. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I think this is the kind of assuming this is how Bob Bradley wants to play. I think it. I think it is, and considering the fact that this is a weirdly assembled squad, right, that does have a few holdovers from last year, I. Think it's not outside the realm of possibility that if we are good this year, we can also beat this team. Hopefully, also rather convincingly. You know, I think it's a good, it's a good test. You know, because they are also team in in a bit of a flux. There's really going to be a bit of a transition period until some of their new acquisitions come in in the summer. Then we're going to see. Then I think uh, that's where you're going to see the new um, Toronto FC under Bob Bradley's vision come about, right? But for all intents and purposes in this opening half of the season, they are a team in transition. They are, a lot of holdovers from last year's team are silently being phased out in favor of new guys. They haven't really figured themselves out yet. So I think since we're a bit further along in our project, a result here would be a good induction for the path that we're on. So just kind of have a look out for that, I suppose. Oh no, that's where we are. Looking forward to this game. Uh, yeah. I do think, um, as far as the team goes, um, as much as I want to uh, see, you know, Morgan playing in a more advanced role, I do. Un- I do actually kind of foresee it. Uh, if I know how Struber likes to make these decisions, he'll probably just end up with Clark slotting in for Christian Casares Jr. <laughs> and then trotting <laughs> out <laughs> a mostly unchanged uh, backline. Right. So Neilus. Uh, sorry. So the Morgan slots in the right wing back. You have uh, the Neil, the Neilus's Neil I, one of those, <laughs> mm-hmm. and Aaron Long as the center backs, and uh, yeah, mostly otherwise a change squad. Uh, I think that's going to be my prediction for the game.
1: I know. Do you have anything else you want to add on to that? You think? You think? Imagine being like, so being at the game live and then like just like looking at the sideline and just seeing two like bald managers in tracks in like track jackets. And you're like, wait a minute. Am I seeing double? It's a,
0: it's a Bob Bradley's evil ger- German uh, slash Austrian doppelganger.
1: You know? Oh yes.
0: It's like, I am you Bob Bradley. I am you. <laughs> I
1: am Robert Bradlitz. <laughs>
0: robert bradovitz or some <laughs> shit like that i don't know i don't know what germans call their kids there's probably some bullshit like nico or like marcel
1: or some yeah, all, name like that they're all nico's now
0: <laughs> yep do you want to make a bold prediction for the game you want to do score lines?
1: uh if i want to be optimistic and say we win probably maybe like a a two one win, maybe I feel like I, I, I don't know what their strikers, like what their, I can't, I haven't seen that their, their new striker guy, but like he might, he might bag one, he might have some quality. And I think uh, hopefully we can, we can get through a two one win. That's what about like this, just not, not to go back to the San Jose thing, but it's like, remember the Orlando game last season yeah. where like we, we basically got out of there 2 one and kind of shit house the rest, like the last 10 minutes. And like, part of that was fun about that game is like, we were seeing this young team putting together this very professional performance. Whereas this time around, it felt like they they're like, okay, we've done this before. Let's get, let's, you know, let's go ahead. You know, like, like yeah. they, they equalized in the 69th minute. Nice. Uh, and then the team takes the lead again, like three minutes later. So I feel like that's, that's a market improvement from like what we saw, you know, some stuff last year. So hopefully they could just be like, all right, Another three points on the road. Let's get this done. Uh, maybe Toronto doesn't let them uh, score a th- score a third goal because Omar Gonzalez is not might not play, but uh, <laughs> uh, but who knows? I think we can come away with a two one.
0: I'm gonna stick my neck out and say that uh, two nil win on the road mm. might be a bold one, but i i i think i think. It's it's not outside the realm of possibility. It could that be another game insane. where like
1: we're like we just make Michael Bradley just pissed off again. Yeah, exactly right. I
0: mean, uh, I presume it's going to be him and Azorio in the middle of the field, and I mean, I think we played them yes. enough times to kind of know what they're all about. Yeah. Uh, like lads, it's Tottenham, you know, for me. <laughs> lads, it's Toronto. Like, lads, it's Toronto. <laughs> so. I mean, that isn't to say that they don't have quality players on their side, though, because, I mean, I think uh, Pozuelo is always the wild card here, right? But, you know, I mean, Uh, we were talking last year about how Jefferson Sotelo is supposed to be this big-time game-changer. Oh, my
1: God. Oh,
0: yeah, he's he's gone. He's gone. (laughs) He
1: was was there for one season, man. Yeah. They spent a big fee on him as well. And then he just went back to just another Brazilian club.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, I guess uh, being being in that kind of environment
1: would kind of black pill you into whole league, huh? <laughs> I was like, you mean I have? Oh to no, he be- didn't go back to. He went to Tigris. Never mind, he didn't go no, back. I was like, game matches,
0: like, you mean I have to be coached by this guy?
1: <laughs> I have to be coached by this guy, and then imagine, imagine being Jefferson so tell to me like, I have to be coached by this guy, and then flipping on to watch Premier League, and you see him on the bench for Manchester United. Like-, like, what? <laughs> <laughs>
0: This guy is watching Cavani and Ronaldo. Like, what the fuck? What the hell? <laughs> the best fever dream to come from this season, if you ask me.
1: God, um, that photo. There's, like, a the photo of, of Armis training in Manchester United, kind of knocking the ball around, and, like, Cristiano Ronaldo in frame. Like, imagine explaining this photo to my 2019 self. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Uh,
0: it'll be like, oh, damn, he must have done really well at New York Red Bulls, huh? <laughs>
1: Oh like, how does this explain how were they both there yeah i don't know
0: no it's like i said like like if you showed that picture in a vacuum in 2019 you would be like well oh, armis must have really had been the best manager in new york red bulls history if he's at manchester united now and then you look at the record and you're like wait what the fuck wait what the, what the yeah. anyway that's <laughs> enough talk about chris armis on uh because you know i mean like let's 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 all move on collectively he is not yes. real and cannot hurt us. We're all fans of the New York Red Bulls. Um, we'll move on to the mailbag, I guess, and I think uh, we'll round out the episode with this. Uh, thank you, everybody, once again, for sending in your questions and concerns. We already addressed uh, Ed Ritter's uh, comment earlier in the episode. So uh, this next one coming from Alexander Zanopoulos. Thank you very much for your contributions. With the plethora of attacking additions, is a diamond in field of a two-forward setup possible? Can Amaya play the base of the diamond in that role? How will be how will the transition from tournament overs change for this team with the offensive additions? Last year, we often saw more transition and progression movements move through the wings or fullbacks or into the box, often by cross. we so much more offensive talent. I think we should see more moves in the central channels. And I think uh, we did touch upon this a bit earlier, right? Um, I think I, I, think I want to address this in a few parts. Uh, first of all, I think the point about the base of the diamond is the most interesting part for me, right? Because I think... Uh, I think it's something that I didn't really consider at the time, but um, I think if we go back to a diamond base, I'm not really so sure Frankie Maya should be there. I think uh, they'd be better served as like a shuttler next to Drew Yearwood. right? But I think uh, as we saw as the year went on last year, I think uh, the problem with, with the with the, with the midfield diamond is is that if you do not have two. Uh, is is the sheer amount of pressure that that puts right on uh, your midfield if um, the base of the diamond is not sort of like a Tyler Adams or T- Adams like player that is capable of like just covering insane amounts of ground, right? I think Huba Diarra was supposed to slot in there to start the year. He looked really good against Witt in Kansas City, but then uh, we all know what happened from there, yeah. right? And I think it's a fair. Th- assumption that a base of a midfield diamond does not work if you have a defensive midfielder in that mold, right? And if I look at Drew Yearwood and Frankie Amaya, I don't actually think that either of them are those, are, is that kind of player yeah. for different reasons, right? I think Yearwood is a better served as like a shuttler because it gives him the freedom to uh, use his dribbling ability to, dribbling ability to bring the ball further up the pitch, right? While also facilitating him play from a deeper position with his passing range. And Amaya is, is is a really good compliment to him because of uh, the pro- progress that he's made with like his uh, off the ball understanding, right, and his ability to pop up into those roles as a Yearwood goes to pressure, and then Amaya goes to cover and a position accordingly off of that movement, right. So, I actually do think that if a base of a diamond happens, you know, uh, I wouldn't really want for Amaya or um, Yearwood playing there. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't really. that there's anybody on the roster that should be that can play that role in fact so i might actually mix the two striker hypothesis because of my sheer level of comfort with it or lack thereof um yeah so
1: i don't know yeah it's like because if we're talking about like like those two middle shuttlers in the diamond we 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 have guys who can do that but we don't have we don't have someone who can point like you said we don't have someone who can play that defensive midfield part of that but also we don't have someone who can play at the tip of the diamond forward like we don't have sort of well not like you know like the creative number 10 we have guys who can sort of play in the half spaces next to that and sort of work off the runners but not necessarily one guy who can sort of dish it off to like the two strike yeah i'm thinking like um the only way I can think of just me being, like, uh, I've, I've recently finished reading Inverting the Pyramid. Congratulations to me. I'm um, <laughs> just thinking of, like, different versions of the diamond. Like, Frank, if you want to play Frankie Amaya in the diamond, you play him, if you want, like, you think about, like, Carlo Ancelotti's Milan, which played a diamond, but, like, at the base of the diamond was Andrea Pirlo, but he wasn't exactly a defensive midfielder. He was just playing there because, as a deep-lying playmaker, he had, you know, the two shuttlers... Reno Gattuso and uh, Clarence Sador for Massimo Ambrosini next to him, and sort of like that. But I don't know if we want to do that in this formation, or you adapt it because then you think about the point of the diamond just becomes one of the second striker behind the two strikers. And then you just take one of those two strikers and move him further back. And then we're just back at the midfield where we were thinking (laughs) before.
0: Yeah, and, and and actually, I think uh, taking all that in consideration, right, with the moves that we've made this season, where we, most of our attackers are like hybrid wide slash central, our hybrid wide players, that also like to cut in, right? yeah, as their modus operandi, it does kind of does sound to me that it's more of a team build this year that's inclined towards exactly like a more flexible, like three four three slash three five two slash three six one, like formation. Right. Yeah. But just with the moves that we made, so actually, I guess all things considered, and thanks so much for bringing this up, Alex. Uh, that I think maybe we won't actually see for at the back, barring another move. Right. Maybe for a defensive midfielder, maybe for a traditional defender. Um, I mean, I certainly don't think we should be doing things like playing Tom Edwards there, but <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> if it really comes to it, I suppose you oh, can do it. But I wouldn't enjoy it. But you could do it. It's basically where I'm at with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think maybe maybe, maybe like something is like a mid-game change or something, but I wouldn't really...
1: Yeah, I think definitely like should game states require that. I wouldn't mind seeing that, but it's like...
0: Yeah. It, it doesn't currently know. seem like the most congruous fit. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's... A, it is a really good question, though. It's a really good thing to think about. So, um, I think my judgment basically is that it doesn't really seem like a very congruous fit right now, but yeah, uh, maybe barring what, cause I think it kind of sounds like we need to make a one or two additional moves to make that reality. Although we do have the capacity to do that, but it only sounds to me that we're only going to be making defensive reinforcements going forward. Right. So like you said, the, the tip of the attacking diamond is what kind of also confounds this a little bit more. Um, to answer the second part of this question about, uh, more moves through central channels, I mean, I think that's sort of been the modus operandi for Schuber's teams throughout his career, right? He loves to create the central overload. Uh, and I think it's definitely, um, he loves to create the central overload. And I think that that's been emphasized with the amount of attackers that we brought in that like to cut in from out wide right into the middle of the pitch. What you might see, basically, is a very long-winded me is saying is that it's going to be a lot more positional flexibility, I think more so than I think teams in the past, right? With all the ways that we've been bringing in players who, um, who are <laughs> kind of sound like a broken record here, but are comfortable out wide, but also who, who like to start out wide, but then also like to cut into the middle as space opens up right Mm -hmm. and that's going to be a big part of creating that level of unpredictability i think right simply because i think that kind of movement creates so much more possibilities especially as the rest of the team pushes further up the field right uh you did kind of start seeing that um take shape within san jose right with the amount of success that uh Yearwood and Amaya were having in generating those turnover opportunities, right? As uh, as pushing up as uh, the double as the double pivot pushed, sorry, as the double pivot pushed up to occupy and set that boundary line, right, in San Jose's half of the field, creating all those turnover opportunities. Um, I think not only is it that you are going to be seeing more chances coming from central positions, I also think it's a very good possibility that you see more chances coming from wide positions as a result of positional interplay in the center of the pitch. Right. And in fact, I think I would point out that, uh, all of the goals we scored over the last weekend kind of are a reflection of that. Right. You have, uh, the first goal being, uh, result of a a result of the switch in the field of play, right. Into Lewis Morgan opening up on the right-hand side. You have uh, the second goal being a turnover into a quick transitional. A turnover into center of the pitch being turned into a quick transitional play, right? The third goal is a bit more of a traditional one where I think we won the ball back. Caden Clark won the ball back and then played a through ball through the center of the pitch up into Tom Barlow, right? Well, that was
1: also, I think it was Morgan on the wing and then... Uh, playing the ball inside of Tom Barlow and Barlow dishing off to Caden Clark and then um, you know the forwards making a beeline to the goal to goal yeah
0: yeah and 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 uh, part part of that of course being that that really nice uh, disguised run that Serge and Goma made right I think to open up yes. uh, the passing lane for Clark into Tom Barlow which was a very good pretty nice thing to see <laughs> especially from a player that young so
1: um, he he also had a couple like very shit housey moments that like got. Got the San Jose guys upset. Just like, just a little like kicking the ball away. I'm just like, yes, yes, young man, you have learned well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, like, um, in that sense, right, I think uh, in that sense, I would probably say um, I don't think it's not, I don't think it's a case where not only are you going to see more um, attacking opportunities coming from the center of the field particularly, but you're also going to see more chances for us to create attacking opportunities from out wide just simply because of uh, the way that we are trying to open up space in the attacking field, right, with the movement that we have. You know, it's sort of a very... I don't really know if I'm articulating what I have in mind very well, but (laughs) that's sort of where we are with this. It's going to be space opening up as a result of it's going to be space opening up as a result of overloads in the center that create chances to attack from out wide but also um generate turnover opportunities in the center of the pitch high up the field that we can then tr- use to trigger a quick transition into space i think that's where i'm at i don't know yeah i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> did i lose did i lose people there i feel like i did
1: <laughs> no i think i think if, if if i could get the grand scope is that uh, we expect to have more more of the ball in the middle rather than just shuffling out wide and sort of yeah. having this sort of ponderous build up yeah yeah i mean uh,
0: less shit like kyle duncan like uh sh- less shit like uh basically hoping that kyle duncan can uh Pull cool defenders to him by dribbling yeah. you know
1: and i guess part of that also depends on it's not just frankie and Maya's distribution but like he, drew Year would be able to like pick up ahead of steam and dribble past guys and basically break lines by himself
0: yeah exactly i mean just just the simple fact that you have much more support right the, the support runs that we saw in the first game i mean i think it kind of points in that general direction Sorry. I, I I hope that answers the question. <laughs> yeah. Very theory heavy uh, episode uh, today, so uh, sorry, ladies and gentlemen. We are we are, we are back in our bullshit.
1: Unfortunately, <laughs> especially now that I've 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 reached Super Saiyan levels of having finished reading Inverting the Pyramid.
0: Oh really? I mean, I I I I, I, I just I just uh, played FM and I set all my attacking midfielders as a trequartista.
1: Oh right, yeah, this is definitely This is the culmination of years of of learning soccer formations from playing pro evolution soccer uh, two thousand and five
0: yeah, I, I looked at our team 's attributes on fm and I have created the perfect formation based on optimizing them uh, to their team roles exactly Thank me later exactly <laughs> later. What if we had three engonchess instead of <laughs> All right, so I think that does it for this episode of Metro Fan TV. Uh, hopefully we uh, didn't um, we didn't really, uh, um, we didn't really lose ourselves into weeds too much. It can be kind of complex sometimes trying to describe uh, what exactly you're envisioning in your head, especially when it comes to like a team as, you know flexible as ours, shall we say, where traditional positions just go out the window completely. yeah so it's just the hallmark of a gig and pressing side i think but yeah (laughs) i know anyway you want to have any final shout outs uh before we close today
1: uh no i would like to see the new york red bulls uh win again this weekend
0: yes i would like to have a i mean the game comes on at like three o'clock in the morning my time so i'm probably not gonna watch it like Fucking hell man like <laughs> whoever put it together the schedule basically it basically conspired to have me like not be able to watch as many games as possible which i think is really really annoying so um, yeah yeah um that's gonna be that's gonna be fun yeah probably uh, i will shout out putini's house of poutine if they're still alive in toronto uh, <laughs> they're double layered poutine i tell you that is the good shit
1: Oh no! Are they? Is that that place that are n- renaming that dish because it sounds too close to?
0: Oh no! Apparently they shut down in twenty twenty. Oh okay. R. I. P. Dude. God damn. Wow. Coronavirus damn. claims another one.
1: You got to go to Pizza Pizza.
0: <laughs> well, I look like Scott Pilgrim in the U. C. Exactly. <laughs> That's actually hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> On that note, thank you, Juan, for your time.
1: You got it. And uh,
0: everybody, I hope we punched the highlights out of Toronto's hair this weekend. Have a good night. <laughs> Stay safe. Take care. Bye-bye.
2: We're going to play football. We're gonna play football We're talking about